Welcome back to Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your not-so-anonymous host. I am so pleased to be able to bring you this conversation today with Maya, who's on Instagram as The Bounce Back Widow. Maya is 13 years removed from the death of her late husband, has since repartnered, and is working in the life coaching, grief coaching, widow coaching space. And I just like throughout this conversation with her, I kept thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is so good. This is wise and helpful. And I really resonated with so many of the things that she was saying. So I think it's great to have people from all stages of this walk. I'm really excited that Maya was willing to chat with us to give us her perspective on how it has been 13 years later. So we are going to jump right in today. Here we go. Hi, Maya. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. So, Maya, I've been wanting to talk to you for so long about this. Absolutely. I agree. And I have also been wanting to talk to you, wanting to, you know, just kind of get to know you and what you're doing here. It's so cool. I love all your posts. You're amazing. So heck yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay. So can you start off by telling us, well, first of all, the reason I know about you is because you are, is it technically a widow coach? Is that what you call yourself? Yes. Okay. And you've been doing that for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. About four years. Okay. So can you tell us just like a little bit about that and what that's like for you? Okay. Yeah. I started out not being a widow coach. <laughs> Let's uh-huh. start there. But in the beginning, <laughs> there was light. We're going to start all the way in the beginning. So, yeah, um, yeah I um, I started out. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a technical person by day. Um, I work in you know cybersecurity. So like that whole crunchy yoga, let's hug a tree um, and, you know, have feelings thing was the opposite of my personality. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely am a more clinical and more um, action-based coaching kind of person. And that's how this whole life coaching came to be. I started out, you know, writing a book. I wrote a book in uh, 2015 about my experiences being a, uh, a widowed mom, a young widowed mom, yeah. um, as opposed to more seasoned widows like we're expecting and used to. And mm-hmm. what I found was there were there was a blueprint. I was looking for a blueprint. I didn't see one. I was frustrated by that. And so, you know, whenever you're looking for a change or whenever you're frustrated by something, usually it's your calling to be the change you seek. Mm -hmm. I did. I decided to, you know what, there's got to be a how-to, there's got to be a blueprint, there's got to be somebody else that can connect to me. And when there wasn't, I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. I'm supposed to be (laughs) Mm. this beacon or this blueprint. So I wrote it. And that was how my book came to be. And when my book, um, which actually went bestseller, yay. Oh my gosh, it did. Yes, actually it did. Yep. That's such a big deal. (laughs) So excited about it too. Yeah. So um, that was the first time I had gone bestseller. So I was super excited. And this has happened multiple times, Maya. Yes, I have three yeah. bestsellers. Yes, I oh do. Oh my God. <laughs> That's very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. So that one actually got picked up and noticed because there was a, um, or he still exists. There's a college professor that happened to come across my book in his time of loss and um, he loved it. And he was, you know, he teaches over at Johnson C. Smith University, um, an English class that highlights women in, you know, turmoil. And so, you know, as part of their writing, he made it one of his mandatory books for his class. And he was like, every year we're doing this class and it's mandatory. So heck yeah, I want this book. (laughs) So it's so cool. And I was like, and he said, you know, the one thing that I wish I had with this book is, you know, like companion steps. Like I wish you were here Mm -hmm. with me to go through these steps and to talk about these things because that's, that's the only thing that's missing. And I said, okay, that sounds like I need to make a make a course, make a, you know, do something that is um, a companion to the book. So I wrote a course, yeah. an online course to go with the book. And that's how I started coaching, um, yeah, basically yeah. going through the, co- the course with people. And it turned out and said I was really interested in it. You know, there's 
much more than what I thought there was to life coaching. It's not just the crunchy, you know, <laughs> tree hugging, let's all meditate and float type of thing. It was, <laughs> you know, like it was, there was actually a science to it. There was actually, you know, some um, study to be done. And so I did go ahead and get my uh, life coaching certification and decided to specialize in the place that, you know, feels like a medium or a median between life coaching and grief coaching. Mm. It feels like I'm somewhere in between a counselor and a therapist. And I like it that way because the difference to me, you know, between a a coach and a therapist is the therapist is going to talk about why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. And the coach talks about, so what are we going to do about it? And so- that's why I like, I became a life coach. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Can you also, I just love to hear people's like original love story. So can you tell us about Jason and your marriage and kind of what happened there? And then we can talk more about dating and your new life and all of that. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. So uh, Jason was, we went to college together. We were college sweethearts. It was so funny. Um, the, the day that I met him, <laughs> I can remember I was in the mail room at my, uh, on my college campus, brand new. I'm a freshman, you know, finding my way around. Someone had wished someone, I can hear like in the background as I'm, you know, probably going into the wrong mailbox, fumbling around, you know, (laughs) I hear someone in the background wish someone happy birthday. And the person that answered was Jason. He goes, oh, thanks. And his voice was like so compelling. It was like, all he said was, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, sure. Thanks. Or something like that. And it was just like, one of those voices that make you look up and go, is there a radio announcer in here? Like, uh, who is that? <laughs> you know, who is that? <laughs> so this so, is so interesting. I was just listening to a podcast this week where they were talking about voice chemistry and how like people's voice either really appeal to you or really don't. And same thing with my boyfriend. Like, well, he called me before our first date and I was like, oh my God, he sounds like such a man. It was like, it was really <laughs> yes. That's exactly what happened. So, you know, I looked up and me being, you know, yes, the cheerleader type, because I did do that, but also very self-conscious and shy at that age. I didn't say anything. So, you know, I just, I saw him, I looked up, I practiced in my head. I was going to say something, anything. And what came out when I left the mailroom was happy birthday also, because I thought, I think it's your birthday. I heard that too, but like it was sort of mumbled (laughs) and said to my shoes. So (laughs) he didn't hear me and kept it moving. And like, I thought I was never going to see him again. And when I did see him again, it was at, you know, one of those, um, somehow we got, we, uh, me and a bunch of my friends were in a, you know, someone else's dorm. We're all having this, oh, let's have a party type of thing. The kind of things you're not supposed to do in dorms, you know, (laughs) like, you know, just hanging out in each other's dorms. And um, he was there. And there was this really juvenile and we're like, (laughs) we're like cooler than everyone else kind of like on the sidelines. Like, I can't believe they're going to turn the lights out and do this like juvenile game. Like, oh, what are they seven? So like, we're we're, we're like, you know, making fun of the people. They turn the lights out. They do, you know, they kissing or whatever. And we're like making fun of them. So we're like the cool kids in a corner making fun. So from then we became really fast friends and, you know, really almost my best friend. Like, you know, we were inseparable from that day forward. Mm. So like, you know, um, of course, eventually we started dating and that was all she wrote. (laughs) So that was your freshman year of college. It was my freshman year. And he actually was what we call a super senior. I was one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He just hadn't graduated on time. You know, some credit issues was happening. But um, he was like a big man on campus. He was, you know, in a fraternity. He was like the dean of the fraternity. So everyone knew him. So we became really fast friends. And, you know, next thing I know, we're dating, we're talking about marriage and we got pregnant my last, um, my, my senior year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, oh no, what are we going to do? We're like babies, having babies. And, um, oh my gosh. you know, on the way to, we had both decided we, we couldn't have a kid. We were too young and we decided to have an abortion. And mm-hmm. on the way to the, um, to the clinic, uh, we stopped at Burger King and he goes, he looks at me and I'm, I'm having this like impromptu conversation with God and, you know, something about it. I just, I didn't feel right. And before I could tell him, he looks at me as we're like at the drive-in window and says, I don't want to do this. Mm. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I don't want to have an abortion. I think we can do this. And we pull over at, you know, a rest stop that's between Maryland and Virginia. 
and he proposes. He proposed at a tree. Oh. And I'm like, this ball of tears, like, you're just saying that because I'm pregnant. You don't really love me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, it's, you know, it's romantic looking back at it. But to me at the time, I was just like so frazzled and everywhere. But yeah. Yeah. So, and then we got married. So I got married, graduated, and had my first kid all in 2003. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whirlwind year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for talking so openly about that experience for you. I feel like that's something that you could very easily skip over in the story. And I think it's really empowering that you talk about it like that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for doing that. No problem. So how would you describe your marriage in general with Jason? Um, it was interesting because we marveled at it like it was this most and I'm going to use a word that doesn't exist, but specialist. <laughs> it, it just, it felt, we would often say to each other, nobody else has this. Hmm. Like, this is super cool. Like you're my best friend and you're like totally hot. So <laughs> <laughs> we had this joke where he would be like, okay. I could totally call you a bitch and you would like not be mad at me. And I'm like, what? No, I couldn't. He would like, come here, you sexy bitch. And I'd be like, oh. Blushing. So we we had this really best friendly romantic relationship, and it was we considered it to be perfect and and rare. So yeah, yeah, that was our relationship. And how many kids did you end up having together? We had two. Okay. Are you comfortable telling us how he died? Sure. You know, I I tell it because it's part of my story. You know, and it it connects with other people that have stories that are hard to tell. Yeah. So um, with Jason, it was Easter Sunday and we went to um, his family's house out in the country. You know, they call it the sticks <laughs> out in King William County, Virginia. And um, I was inside with our 18 month old because he wasn't walking yet. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had him inside and it was a beautiful day. It's Easter. So, you know, him and my oldest son were outside playing. And they were in a relay race with the rest of the family. So like a backward relay race. They were doing this, you know, and um, a child from somewhere from one of the family kids had run diagonally across the area that they were running backward in. Mm -hmm. And in order to avoid hurting and uh, stepping on the kid, he tripped over the kid Mm -hmm. and somehow hit his head on some random piece of asphalt in the ground Mm -hmm. and was gone in 30 minutes. (gasps) Just oh, gone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In front of my son. Oh my um, so and just totally accidental. Yeah. Totally accidental, bled out, head injury. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Huh. That obviously comes with a lot of trauma since that was witnessed sudden. Yeah. A lot of trauma for, I would, you know, of course myself and, you know, my, my oldest son, he actually still, he's 19 now. He doesn't remember. And oh. even in the counseling appointments that he had, you know, at, you know, at the time he was six years old. So at the yeah, counseling appointments, you know, she would ask and he just drew a blank. So it's definitely, you know, of course we're warned uh, with, with counseling and therapy that these are things that the brain does to protect itself. Right. And yeah. eventually he probably will one day remember yeah. and, you know, to just be there for him when he does, you know, yeah. if he decides to talk about it, you know, then, it is what it is to this day. He's 19. Like I said, he still says he can't remember. So do you feel grateful for that or does that concern you or? Um, it's a mixed bag, especially when you're talking about therapy and mental health in your children, because yeah. it's like on the one hand, there were times when he did act out and he did act in a way that made me concerned. And so I did go through that piece. So I can't say, well, at least we didn't have that, you know, with him remembering things. Then on the other hand, there's the concern that when it does resurface, what is that going to look like for him as an adult now? You know, how is that going to affect his decisions about love, his decisions about being attached to people, mortality in general? Like, how does that affect him? Mm. You know, I can see that in certain ways it does affect him already not being able to remember those things. So how will it change? You're the first person I've talked to that is far enough removed from the death of your husband to have watched your children grow up. So this is another one of those spots in the podcast interview where I ask a question to Maya that I really wanted to know personally 
but it doesn't really fit with the theme of the podcast, which is supposed to be about dating. So last season, I would have just deleted it out and you probably wouldn't have even known that this part of the conversation existed. But now, since we have the Patreon, I can take it and put this part of the conversation on there. So Maya is going to talk a little bit about what it has been like for her to watch her children grow up after experiencing the trauma of their father's death. And I think that's valuable. It's just not perfect for this. So if you're interested, you can check it out on the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash datingafterdeath. Back to Maya. So after Jason died, where was your head after that in terms of sort of like a craving to rebuild your family that I know sometimes people feel? Mm-hmm. Maybe just where was your mindset around including another man in your life? Or like how long did that process take for you? <laughs> I only laugh because speaking from both sides of the fence as a coach to people going through this and as a person that's gone through it myself, I feel like there is this feeling compelled to honor your husband by pretending you don't have needs. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's yep. this, there's this, you know, that's good expectation that you have to go completely cold turkey without any love, affection, connection, emotional bond, you know, and physical touch and and even being desired the way you were Mm 24-7, all of a sudden there's nothing. Yeah. And even the people, it really is. And even the people that, you know, you would you know, you would expect that attention from, you know, guys that, you know, see you every now and then or, or people that know you and are single or whatever. Mm-hmm. They feel awkward when they know what your situation is. So you're yeah. like this pariah now yeah. and completely deprived of any kind of romantic love. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Yeah. And yeah. so um thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like that sudden drop off. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, yeah. I mean, and, and I know not everybody is so sudden, right? Some people like go through the, mm-hmm. the cancer journey or what, what have you, but mm-hmm. that sudden drop off from everything to nothing is so jarring. Yes. It is. Yeah. It's jarring. It's lonely. It, it, you know, causes you to crave things in, in higher volumes than you used to, or, you know, or maybe the opposite, maybe you shut down. I mean, I mm-hmm. think, the um, the need for emotional, physical, sexual, you know, a connection causes people to act in different ways. Mm. And that's what you see as the actual result, regardless of what the person is saying or what they want, you know, the world to believe their actions are going to either they're going to tell the story. They're either going to, you know, be like I was, which, you know, I <laughs> I can I can say it now and laugh, but, you know, for a, a, a long period of time, that was like a, a certain, I don't know, almost a shame for me to behave like a normal 27-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, consenting adult who, who wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, have those connections again and date. But because I was widowed, I was suddenly, that, that was suddenly taboo. My decisions were questioned. Yeah. My, you know, motives were questioned. You know, are you just doing this in rebound or, you know, no longer was I yeah. trusted to be a grown woman? Mm, yes, that is something I think about all the time. Like, I feel like I'm constantly working to fight against the idea that, like, I'm not making sound mm-hmm. decisions because I've mm-hmm. been widowed. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm still like a very capable yeah. Yeah. adult. Very, and I very capable, discerning. I picked a good husband. So I think I can pick someone, you know, decent to date, you know, and um, yeah. I actually lost friendships because there mm. was so much judgment in my way of handling things and the way I wanted to, to resume my, that part of my life. And so it caused me to sever my life into two personalities, basically. It was the dating Maya and the at home and mom and, you know, amongst my family and friends, Maya, to the point that I was in this solid relationship with my partner now for six years before anybody knew, really knew about him other than maybe a couple of close friends. I mean, our debut as a couple was the baby shower. So it was six like, years. Yes. Yeah. We were together for six years before we got pregnant with my daughter, with our daughter, Aria. And so um, mm. it was just, you know, people were like, where did he come from? I'm like, 
I, you know, apparently I'm not as messy and I can mind my business, you know, as you thought, you know, so Where did yeah, you from? exactly. Like it came from 2014. Exactly. Who is this man? Right. <laughs> and people are like, who is this man? I'm like, well, you know, I dated for about three or four years and then I met him and, you know, um, yeah. Can I ask you, cause you've referenced a few times, like your way of managing mm-hmm. it and your way of dating. So what did that look like for um, you? It was my business. You know, there are, it, it was absolutely a hundred percent my business. And there are people that, and clients I have that constantly ask, well, what do I tell my kids? And, you know, even if they have adult to children, doesn't matter the age, what do I tell my kids? And I just don't understand their need to involve children in something they're not sure is permanent yet. It's none Mm. of the child's business, in my opinion, unless the child is going to participate in a relationship. I think that that is such an important thing for people to hear. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Thank you. Yeah. People are on a couple dates and they want to know what to say to their kids. I'm like, nothing. You say nothing to your kids until you know this guy's going to be around for a while. I I feel like you're teaching the, the child and another thing is I, I never wanted to put that expectation on someone that I was not considering as a husband. You know, I was, a, yeah. I felt as a grown woman, I'm allowed to have fun. I'm allowed to, you know, as a single person, I'm allowed to, you know, date around and, you know, see what I like and what I don't and have experiences. And because none of that is, is something that I intended to be permanent, it wasn't part of anything that my children needed to be introduced to. Yeah. I would tell, I don't think my kids knew I was like seeing somebody until six or eight months and I was sure it was going to be more long lasting. And I would just tell them like, oh, I'm going out with friends or I'm going out with girlfriends. Right. You know, like, cause they don't, I mean, as much as we'd like to give these, you know, um, best friend and close friend titles to our children, they are our children. And there is a line, I think there, there's, um, you know, to me as being a mom, I think it's important to establish that I'm their mom. You know, they are, mm-hmm. yes, my, you know, my, my rocks, my, my little partners in the world, but they are not part of the decision-making unless the decision is about something that's permanent. And, right. you know, yes. I'm going to include them when, you know, it's like, oh, do I want to take this picture and put it on Facebook of me and this guy for them to see? No, that's something that, yeah. you know, I would include thinking about them and their welfare, but am I going to introduce them to this new guy that I just met that I'm hanging out with for a couple of weeks? Why? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. But when I did start to get serious, we had been dating for about a year and um, I brought him to a family function, you know, to just see my kids. Hey, they really exist. I'm not a crazy, you know, (laughs) I have children. You know, and he got to meet them. And, you know, they, of course, as children do, were like, yeah, hi, whatever. So, like, I introduced him as my friend because, you know, one was at the time four and the other one was, you know, nine. So, like, they're like, whatever, who cares? So, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, having boys is special and interesting because they would say things to me, like, my oldest, my, at the time, nine-year-old would say things to me like, mom, my friend said you're pretty. I know that's nice, but I didn't like it. (laughs) Okay. So there's another reason that it was just like, okay, if I'm going to date, he's going to be, you know, the last to know in, in, you know, not the last to know, but you know, like, unless it's serious, I'm not going to bother him with that. Yeah. My little guy who I think when this happened, he was probably six. He, I was like watching some tennis match on TV and he said, who do you want to win? And I said, well, I really want this guy, but this other guy is very attractive. So I wouldn't mind if he won so I could watch him in the next match. And my son takes his hand and he puts it in front of the TV screen. And he's like, I don't want you looking at his face. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, why not? And he's like, it makes me think you don't think daddy's oh, handsome. baby. Right. I know. And I was like, you know, lots of people are handsome, Mm -hmm. right? You know, yeah. we did the whole talk. The other thing I think about often, and I think this like speaks to what you're saying too, is I never expected to have to like model for my kids how to date. (laughs) And that is a really interesting thing, which 
I'm really grappling with now because like in my perfect ideal little sheltered world from mm-hmm. before, I wouldn't have had my boyfriend sleep over at, a, mm-hmm. at the house. You know, I would have been like, well, that's only appropriate if you're married, but like, that's not who I am anymore. Yeah. And it just, it's just a lot. <laughs> right. And it's freaking my parents out. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. It's different when you're, um, when you're older and you're more mature and you can make better, you can make better decisions for yourself and it's interesting how when it's time for you to make those types of decisions and you are, you, you've, you've gained the experience and the wisdom to do the right things with it, people still pluck you from your age and experiences and put you back into the dating stage when you were 17. Like, I am not mm. 17. I can have a whole man stay at my house without my children <laughs> knowing. He can leave before they wake up. You know, we can play Mission Impossible just as good as anyone else. And, you know, I can be appropriate. (laughs) And, you know, so that wasn't something that I shared with my parents because I absolutely knew that they would revert me back to being, you know, a teenager and not knowing, you know, the dangers of having a man stay over, you know, so. Yeah. I know my kids think he sleeps in the guest room and I'm like, well, we're going to keep it that way for a while. (laughs) Um, Yeah. We, we basically played mission impossible for the first two years, you know, where it was like, okay, um, I'm going to just, you know, if they would wake up early, I'm like, I'm going to distract them with, you know, some of them stand in their, in their doorway and you sneak behind me, (laughs) run down the steps and they'd hear like the door and they go, what's that? I'm like, what's what? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, worst spy ever. But, you know, they didn't know. They oh were young gosh. enough to not know. So, you know, it was it was fun. And, you know, it added another element to, you know, unexpected dating after, you know, you were married. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it definitely brings out the part of you that once you do tell them what you're doing, you do get to model, okay, this is what you know, this is how you should treat a woman. This is how mommy yeah. wants to be treated. This is how mommy communicates, you know, like when they get yeah. to see that in action with somebody that, you know, isn't daddy, you know, it's different yeah. for them and it has to be gone and taken really slow. And so that's what we did. You know, we, that's why it was six years before we really committed to, okay, you know, we're going to have a kid together. We're going to be together. This is, this is us, you know, and because yeah. it didn't, uh, have marriage come first, that was difficult for people too. You know, they were like, oh, mm-hmm. why aren't you guys going to get married? And why is there a baby first? And all these things. And again, plucking me from being able to make decisions for myself as a grown up person mm-hmm. to being a kid again who yeah. doesn't know how to do things or that I need to be told what order to do them in in order to be happy according to their stereotypes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot there. Yeah, so interesting. <laughs> I also love the message behind the Mission Impossible mm-hmm. moment, which I think is that like, this is possible. You <laughs> yes. can do it. <laughs> you can put kids yep, in the house. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So will you remind me what your, your current husband's name so, is? So like I said, we're not married. Um, my partner. Yeah. Oh, you ne- you never ended no, up getting married. Built a house, had okay. some kids, okay. raising the kids. We're not married. We're doing the partnership thing. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Okay. So your partner's Danny. name, Danny. Okay. Can you just give us like the short on how you met Danny? And <laughs> that's another one that's funny. Um, I actually met him online. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Good. We all need to hear yes, that. <laughs> I met him online. Um, interestingly, we had um a lot of mutual friends, but we didn't know each other. And he lived, you know, mm-hmm. grew up in the same area as me. Um, and uh, knew, like I said, knew a lot of my friends, and I'm. The way that we met is I actually am like blushing so hard. I slid into his DMs. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. So yeah, I um I really was just curious. I'm like, you know, how do you know all the same people as me, but I've never met you before. So I, what I said in his um, uh, messages was, you know, don't I know you? Do we know each other? And it was so weird because if I really wasn't asking a genuine question, it's like the worst game ever. <laughs> but like, I was actually serious. I must know you, like, because you know everyone. And, you know, it just turned out we, you yeah. know, had intertwining high school you know, friends or whatever. And um, yeah, okay. so after like a year, because he was so super slow and strategic with me, a year of talking, mm. you know, on the phone and, you know, some really nerdy impromptu rap battles, like, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
so yeah, um, we finally went out about a year after talking, and ever since we've you know just kept dating, and you know he as he will tell it, he just couldn't shake me. <laughs> no, we just I mean it works. You know we we like each other's company, we enjoy a lot of the same things, we have great conversation, and we're attracted to each other, so it just it just works. Yeah. He uh, w- when we first started you know, introducing him to the kids and things, he would say things to me that, you know, really made me feel seen. Mm. I always joke and say a a line, a pickup line for a mom would be like, you want me to fold clothes for you? Like, (laughs) like, yeah. (laughs) Girl, I'm coming over. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That is so funny. My boyfriend was over last week and he helped me with dishes and I was like, this is the sexiest. Heck yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, what he said to me was, you know, I know you have stuff to do and, you know, if you ever want to do something and hang out with your friends or do anything, I'll watch the kids. And I'm like, oh, shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, yes. yeah, it was, it was things like that. And, you know, he would say things like, you know, if things don't work out and I really hope they do between, you know, you and I, I still want to help, you know, with the boys. They, you know, they need Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff, you know, football practice, whatever, you know, I'm here for you. And yeah. I really want you to be part of my life no matter what. And it was just, you know, mm-hmm. it was it was really sweet. And um That's really yeah, it, it forged a different kind of relationship that I've had I wasn't used to. You know, when we are married, we have what we're used to and what we receive as love. Yeah. And because yeah. he wasn't the romantic flowers and you know candy type like my husband was at first I didn't process that as you know him being in love with me you know it was just Mm. like well you know I guess you know we're just friends and you know we like dating each other and I'm attracted to him and you know things are working but Mm. he's not asking to marry me he's not chasing me he's not you know like doing romantic stuff so I didn't get it but when I dissected the things that he said a little bit more and looked a little bit more it was like you know this is him showing love, you know, this is his way. And when you finally start or stop comparing and start speaking a, a different love language or understanding a different love language as love, it's, it's enlightening. It's different. It's interesting. It, it's crazy because you're like, wow, I, I didn't know that I could be loved like this. Mm, yeah. I mean, you were speaking exactly to my experience. Like I'm right on the Aww. brink of tears. <laughs> because that is exactly how I feel. Like it took me so long to recognize that this different version of love was just as valuable and just as whole and it was different, but it, yeah. Also, I feel like I already have like 7,000 sound bites from this interview because you are so good. Oh, It's just like so good. It's a great conversation. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. I have two questions. The, The first one is, do you feel like it got any more complicated continuing to grieve your husband as you fell deeper in love with your new person? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason is because, you know, it's not that being in love with somebody different that they don't, they don't care about your feelings or, you know, they don't understand that you need to grieve. What they'll never understand is um, the capacity and the ability to love two people. They make Mm -hmm. it seem like it's happening simultaneously and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, grief, like, you know, our, I'm going to have a nerdy quote here that, you know, Marvel fans are out there that, um, you know, uh, one of the characters in one of the movies had said grief is, you know, the, the leftover love, the love you Mm -hmm. don't get to, to give that person. That's what grief is. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's love persevering. And, you know, so this leftover love is not real time. It's, you know, it, it feels like it is and it affects you like it is, but I can't say to this day, I'm in love with my husband because mm. being in love is an action, you know? So, it, and mm. it's a constant, it's, it's something that, you know, you're, you're doing and you're seeing and you're, you're participating in every day. The kind of love that I have mm. for my husband is leftover love, you know, the kind that, you know, mm. where, it, it misses what was, it remembers what was, it cherishes what was, and it's sad for what can't be. But my love mm-hmm. for Danny is present. It's 
it's possible. It's, it's, it's new every day. It's ongoing. It's, it's just different. And it's, it's very hard to explain, um, different, but, you know, just as good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the misconception with having a new love is that person, that word new, where they think that they're supposed to replace the old. And that's not Mm. true. There's a completely different compartment, a different space in my heart that, you know, that he occupies where the old love and the grief will always occupy the space that they weren't, that they had for my late husband. Yeah. They exist. I'm wondering if some people are going to feel like a pushback against this idea that you are no longer in mm-hmm. love with your mm-hmm. late husband. I mean, technically this is like sort of semantics, but I, I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's a different thing. We have to acknowledge yeah, I think time also, um, you know, it plays a factor too. Not that, you know, it's going to heal all wounds or do anything miraculous, yeah. but um, I think the physical and the and emotional distance from, you know, my husband is my late husband is what um, fuels me to be able to say I'm no longer in love with him. I'm in love. Mm-hmm. I was in love with who he was and what we had, but yeah. I can't say that I'm actively in love with him right now because mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I don't get to yeah. see his smile every day. I don't hear his laugh every day. I'm not, you know, being held and touching and, you know, experiencing him every day. And therefore my interpretation of in love are those things. And that's not active. I'm not actively loving him, you know, the way it was before. And because because I can't, you know, so thing. And, you know, to each his own. I'm not going to say that, you know, like it has to be that way. And it is, and this is the be all end all definition. That's just how my heart feels. No, and that's yeah. okay yeah. for other people to stay if they feel actively that's how they feel and heck yeah, rock on. Yeah. I am just noticing for myself the more I feel like deeply in love with the man mm-hmm. I'm dating, the more I feel like this tension of sort of um and I I don't know, I'm feeling almost confused mm-hmm. by it or I'm unclear, but just this tension of like not wanting to overdo mm-hmm. it about my late mm-hmm. husband, you know, in honor of my my partner, mm-hmm. my boyfriend. I don't want to send him the wrong message, right? Like he's always going to be yeah. second. Like he's not second. And it's just a, I feel like it's this balancing act that I'm just trying to figure yeah. out or will always change. Being 10 years into this relationship, it has not changed, hmm. has matured. And when I say that, I mean, we have more mature ideas and communication around it. Mm. We allow for there to be feelings about certain things, you know, and because it's not something either of us have ever done before, you know, so we can't expect the other one to know how to navigate this, you know, like I can't expect him to know how to navigate being with a widowed person. And so if he were to be upset about something, I can't be mad at him. There's so many fairy tale stories out here and look at my man on Facebook type of thing where they're saying things like, oh, he lets me talk about, he encourages me to talk about la la la. And that's great. But that's not the only definition of being loved with, you know, and being widowed. That's not the only, you know, Mm -hmm. way in which you can tell if they accept you completely. That could yeah. be, you know, we, we could go all all over the rainbow on what that could actually, quote fingers, mean if they let, if, yeah. if that person allows you to do that or if that person encourages you to do that. Yeah. But that means in turn being upset or being hurt or being taken aback by those things, you know, by you talking about it could also affect this person in, in different ways. And, and they're a person, they're human, just like right. you. And I think we forget in our grief that this other person has to also be able to be free to emote and to communicate of and course, to be affected. Yeah. So yeah. I think the most productive way to go about it is to just communicate. This makes yeah. me uncomfortable. Why, that. you know, th- these pictures being up in this room makes me uncomfortable. This is mm-hmm. our space now, you know, and it's like, yeah. okay, I-, I see you. I hear you. I, I get it. I try and put myself in his shoes, if it were, um, you know, a a late wife that I was in my heart struggling with feeling like I was competing with, 
I might have the same feelings. We make room for each other's feelings, room for something new, not something that people have dictated. This is what it looks like to be right, to be correct. And, you know, as far as, you know, oh, well, he needs to let you talk about him. He needs to celebrate his birthday with you. He needs to, you know, like, instead of having this, this is what it's supposed to be. Let it be new. Let it be because it is. It's something absolutely new that neither of you have done before. So let it be new. Yeah, Maya, I really appreciate this again, because comparison is so challenging. And when you see people online who are going to boast about their new partner in a way that's like that, I'm so Mm -hmm. happy for them. But it doesn't always look like that Mm -hmm. for me, right? And then it makes me question, well, maybe he's not... Maybe he's not asking about my husband enough, yeah. Maybe, you know, and then I'm like, no, that's just not who exactly. we are. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And I think that's really powerful for people to hear. It doesn't have to look one way. And I feel like we're, as a society, we do this thing a lot with like, oh, what are the red flags, yeah. right? Red flags, mm-hmm. red flags. And it's like, okay, there are some legitimate yeah. red flags, but you can't red flag everything. Something like you have to grow yeah. together and communicate yeah. and I just think everything you're saying is really helpful and like tangible. And if I were looking for a widow coach, I would hire you. Oh, thanks. In heartbeat. Thanks. No, it's really important to understand that, you know, your relationships are unique and letting other people's, uh, I guess, definitions of happiness color yours, you're using the wrong crayons. You know, it's, it's not going to make the picture you're looking for because you've started coloring with crayons that are the picture they're or looking for. Or sometimes even you're coloring with your old crayons of your that own. Too. That too, you know. And you, you were changing. You're changing and this is a brand new picture. So, yeah. you know, you've got to look at it that way and treat it that way and honor it that way. Yeah. And it's hard to do with a society that thinks it knows everything about everything and, <laughs> and mm. you know, gives you, and it's an information age, you know, where everybody's yeah. got information that they want to share and they tend to try to be the expert in order to, you know, I guess, attract the clients or attract the yeah. attention or attract the accolades or whatever it is that they're looking for. It it's, can be harmful, I think, to take too much <laughs> and, and red flags and whatnot. Well, gosh, this has been so good. Let, um, can we can we get to the quick questions? Do you mind? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. First of all, did you use dating apps when you were dating? Yes. Um, <laughs> I used Tinder. All right. No and judgment. it was a complete, like, <laughs> it was a complete sausage party. Like, it was... <laughs> <laughs> That's how you describe your dating phase. Well, (laughs) that too, but like, no, the the tender, it was like, that was literally what people were looking for. And so it wasn't, it it didn't really work for me as well because I treated tender like tender itself was my boyfriend. Like, you know, I would, Mm. you know, do all my mommy stuff and then jump in the bed and then the kids would be in the bed at eight o'clock on, you know, sharp because I was going to get in the bed and, you know, have my wine and, you know, sit on my phone and talk, you know, and just talk to different people and, you know, have these little, you know, how was your day? Hello, beautiful. You know, those little cliche conversations and get the attention that I, you know, I craved and, you know, it, that lasted, you know, a couple of months, but eventually people want to see you and they want to meet up and they want to take pictures. They want you to send pictures and all these things. And then you get pictures and you're like, ew, help. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so. I told a couple guys, like if I ever see your privates on my phone, we're done. <laughs> like, No, sir. I'm not sure Thank why you. you felt like that was the thing, but <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to see that. No one ever. <laughs> not on a picture in your phone. No, nope, not at all. That's very weird. And it's so out of context. Like, <laughs> just scrolling through these pictures. Oh, there's my kid. Oh my, what's that? Like, it's, it's just, it's just not a, not a, it's not a good thing. No. So no. Agreed. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, Maya, when you were doing online dating, did you put your widow status on your profile? I still don't have a widow status because I felt like it automatically labeled me in a way in which I was not ready and did not have a definition I found suitable. Mm. 
you know, what it do you was, mean when you say you still don't have a widow status? I still don't. Um, like, oh, you mean like on your social or on my social media, like on, on Facebook, it doesn't mm-hmm. say because first of all, it's none of people's business, but also mm-hmm. because, um, it would have, you know, required me to feel like disclosing that all the time. And, you know, it's interesting, the remarks that I get when people find out or I, you know, I mention it or whatever, it's just, they're so taken aback. They're so surprised. Oh, you look so young. Oh, there's no mm-hmm. way you could be, you know, like, like something like me, the, what I look like and, and, and how I am has anything to do with the ability for people to right. die. Like, right. what, yeah. is that? Yeah. What, what does that have anything? Yeah. And it makes them some, in some cases treat me differently. So, yeah. um, I just, so clearly you're separating your personal life from your professional life because that you are called the bounce back widow. Oh, yeah. Well, in that case, sure. Um, right. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and people that know me and know what I do, that's fine. Um, and now, 13 years later, it's not as much of a big deal um, as it was back then when I was actually curating my uh, my posts and, 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 you know, making my Facebook profile or whatever, like actually yeah. putting stuff on there. I haven't looked at my personal Facebook profile and like ever when I don't say any, when I was dating, when I didn't say anything, you know, the automatic stereotype, um, especially being a woman of color was, Oh, so, you know, you have kids and you're not married. So there must be something wrong with you. Mm. You know, there must be something about you that drove these men that fathered your kids away Mm -hmm. Um, do they even have the same dad? Like there were a lot of stereotypes that I ran into without saying being widowed. So it was like, it became kind of a get out of jail free card. Um, Mm -hmm. because you know, I had an excuse or I had a reason, even though they should never have come out of their faces with those types of stereotypes in the first place. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it, It was, you know, kind of like a, no, I'm a special case. You know, but then it was, you know, oh, well, how did they die? Oh, and now I have to treat you with kid gloves. Now, mm-hmm. you know, things are different, you know, and I, it, it still made things complicated and different. So um, for me, I had to define what widowed meant in order to really be comfortable with the label. Yeah. Um, do you see yourself ever getting married again? Yeah, sure. Um, one day. I feel like the the cynical princess, you know, the one that's like, you know, this tower is actually cool. Everything here is mine. And you know, like, for a long time, yeah, yeah for, for a long time, that's how it, it was. And, and, you know, even when I, you know, narrowed my dating to just Danny and, you know, um, we still had our own separate places it was, you know, kind of cool to like still have my own space and be yeah. my own person and no longer be obsessed with the approval of being asked to be married. You yeah. know, you no live longer. together now? We do. We, uh, we, we actually built a house together. And so we, we live together now. We share this okay. now. But, um, and do you see yourself having any more kids? We did have one together, yeah. um, but no, I'm old as dirt and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I miss my babies being, being babies, but yeah. um, I don't think that I would, I, I'm in any position to have any more kids, not mentally or emotionally. I think I'm good. I think three yeah. is good. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. For the sake of time. And because I think we touched on some of the other things, I'm going to skip to your song recommendation, mm-hmm. which was already here by mm-hmm. Brian and Courtney Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about it? That song um, is emotional for me because it was, it's about watching and waiting for something amazing to happen, you know, and I don't know how religious or non-religious, but if we're talking, if we're going to speak in religious freedom, this is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and um, my struggle was with, with religion and God and believing in all those things after, um, my, yeah, my husband passed and, and it was, I was waiting for some breakthrough, some, you know, what is wrong with me? Why can't I find solace with this? Why is it that religion to me is now tainted? And I don't feel like, you know, where are you God? Pretty much like, you know, help me find me something. 
And eventually, um, in my walk, in my Christian walk, I realized that the whole journey is part of falling in love with God. Mm. The whole, every time, you know, you look back and realize, you know, this is what you were saved from. This is what, what you grew from. This is why this happened. Not necessarily in logical terms or he died because then that equals this, but the, seeing the person that I've become yeah. um, is a signifier to me that as much as I was waiting for some miracle, it was already here. No. Yeah. 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 All of the things that I was waiting for God to do and be there for me, he was already here. And that's what the song is about. Love that. Okay, Maya, what is one thing that you are most looking forward to? It could be anything really, just <laughs> something you're looking forward to, something that kind of gets keeps you going. Um, I love having my own business. Mm. I really do. I love being able to wake up every day and be in my purpose. And mm. I love having every time there's a new client, finding theirs, you know, their thing mm. that wakes them up, that gets them out of bed, no matter what, you know, yeah. no matter how they feel or you know, what's going on. There's this one thing that where, you know, you're in your purpose, you know, you're doing what you're here for. I call it, you know, I mired the mess out of this day, you know, like, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's being able to be my authentic self. I look forward to that every day. And you know, proving to myself my own affirmations. Cause you know, of course they're lies if you don't. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so every day I'm looking forward to proving I'm not, you know, the things that I'm afraid of. I'm not, you know, the negative things that cloud my mind sometimes. No, I'm, I'm actually pretty awesome. Yeah, you are. This was seriously <laughs> amazing. I'm like, Aww, I just really feel like your wisdom <laughs> and the things that you have sort of packaged in your mind through the years are so helpful for those of us who are earlier on. And I'm really grateful for you. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Maya for all that insight. She can be found on Instagram at the bounce back widow. I want to also thank better help for their sponsorship of the podcast. That's better. H E L P.com slash dating after death. If you use that specific URL, you will get 10% off of your first month's membership. BetterHelp has a sliding scale depending on your income, so you should really check it out. I think their deal is really good considering you get weekly therapy and all these extras. So if you are in the market, definitely go check it out. If you are a fan of the show, I would super duper appreciate any sort of review that you could give or just reach out and say hi on Instagram or send me an email. I love hearing from you all and I will see you next week.